Welcome to At The Line NBA Podcast, talking NBA, Spurs, and everything in between. Now your hosts, Ty Yeager and Mac Pena. All right, what's up, guys? I am Ty Yeager, and this is Mac Pena, and we are introducing you to At The Line NBA Podcast. Of course, I am Ty. And my, uh, my name is Mac. And there we are, because I was, I was looking for you, man. So this is At The Line. This is our very first podcast, and we are essentially going to talk about Spurs, NBA, and anything that runs in between it. So first, let's kind of just give you a background of who we are. Uh, I am Ty Yeager. I've been a sports fan basically essentially all my life, and uh, I live up in Dallas, so, but I'm still a diehard Spurs fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Mac. Um, again, I've been around sports my entire life. And uh, I'm from Central Texas, San Antonio, so the Spurs run deep in my heart, but I do love um, the NBA and a lot of great teams out there this year. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great season. And luckily, the NBA gave us a great night to get our start off with. Uh, we are recording this Wednesday, January 16th at, what time is it? 10.51 and Central Time. Spurs just had a great comeback against the Mavs out of anything that first half was atrocious Ooh, yeah that was i mean that was pretty crazy uh you talk about comeback wins and the spurs were down huge in the first quarter and they ended up pulling it out and late in the fourth or fourth quarter so it was a great night like you said yeah spurs they they were they started the game off 20 is it 23 and 4 to the mavs shooting only 8 or 20 in the first quarter they couldn't shoot for crap that whole game for that whole first I, half at least i mean you talk about you know, rims just or balls just like flopping out of the rims, and it was just crazy. I mean, every single shot that the Spurs tried to do would just bounce in, bounce out. Like I said, like it, it just seemed like the rims were were super tight, where they didn't give any, they didn't have any give to them. So, pretty crazy to see that happen. And there was a bucket that I think Ru- Rudy was is going to be a simple teardrop into the rim, bounce off the back of the rim out of nowhere. And Rudy, just, you could hear Rudy through the microphone. Like whatever, cut. he yelled, he yelled something because he was pissed off at that shot. I mean, at a certain point, you think about it, and 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 you know that these are all regulated. But at a certain point, like when you see stuff like that happen, it just it's frustrating, and it makes you want to say, you know what? There's something going on tonight. What they they did something to the rims? Maybe they froze them a little bit to keep them a little bit more sturdy or something. They reinforced them, but they look like, um, you know schoolyard rims out there those two ply rims where everything just bounces out it was crazy and it didn't help that the spurs were going into the game five for 15 against western conference teams on the road which they're being fantastic at home but on the road they cannot do anything sometimes yeah it's looks the road woes for the spurs have, have really been a detriment to them this this year i think if they if they were to win at least a few of those like maybe the suns games um you know, um, the Suns game specifically comes up to mind because that was a pretty atrocious one. But if they were to win just a few of those road games, even to lesser teams, I mean, they would be much better in the standings right now than sixth place. But tonight seemed like a good night where they were able to come back from that 23-4 to start to finish the game with a 105-101 win over the, over the Mavericks. DeMar came up. I don't know where that bench unit came from. That bench unit came up clutch along with DeMar in the fourth. So... Yeah, and, and and just going off onto onto broader general NBA, I think there was a great storyline of of teams coming back 
um, not just only in the Spurs in the Spurs game, but if you think about it, also in um, in the Brooklyn game versus the Rockets. I mean, in the fourth quarter with five minutes left, the you know the Nets were down ten points or more, and they ended up bringing it to overtime and then winning. So, like you said, it's been a great night for for basketball. I got that. We'll go. We'll get back to that later because I got audio of all these all these games that we'll play later. But st- going back to Spurs. You know who who are the MVPs tonight for the Spurs? Patty and Marco, and they combined for 31 points total, coming off the bench. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, you know, watching the watching the post conferences, it, it's just amazing how a lot of the Spurs wins kind of fall back on them. If they if they shoot well, if they do well, if they're making their shots, it, the Spurs are going to be the Spurs have a pretty good road record or record when when they're making their shots. And uh, Paul Garcia, who's known around the Spurs Twitter. Uh, they had Spurs had a better defensive quarter in the second, but and because Dallas shot from thirty, so that was kind of the upslope for the Spurs going it going into the half, because they only got two points for the free throw line whenever they were getting all they wanted during the first quarter at the free throw line, along with make forcing six different turnovers against the Mavs. So the Spurs were able to get back in that second to somewhat decent defense, and then the second half was just them coming straight back and then taking the lead finally in the fourth. Yeah, I think Pop summed it up the best in his post conference when he said that um he said for the first twelve minutes, you know, we kind of followed them around and let them get whatever they want and we didn't do anything for the first twelve minutes. But then in the second, third, and fourth quarter, you gradually saw that the Spurs were clawing their way back in. Um I think it was kind of towards the end of the of the second quarter where they brought it down all the way to to about eleven points. Um so at halftime they were down eleven, which is manageable. You know, you go into the third quarter knowing that you're going on a run, you you have them, you know, you're coming back, you're fighting your way back in, and you're only down 11. That's more manageable than what they saw in the first quarter with that 20-point deficit. So they did a really good job of of um, focusing in and just playing their game. And you have to get all the... You have to give the credit to the Spurs bench. They're, Pirtle is completely underrated on his rebounding, and Davis is the third-best three-point shooter in the league. And you, you can't... And I would like to say... Patty is the heart of the is the heart of the team. Whenever any night he doesn't have to be the best player on the court, but he brings everyone's spirits up no matter when he's on the court. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh like I said a little bit earlier, is that when Patty and Marco are, are going and they're just knocking those shots down, we tend to win. And you're absolutely right. I think um, you know, one thing about Patty is and especially from last year or moving from last year was last year was so volatile and there was a lot of things moving. There's a lot of pieces moving. And for him, um, I know he had to, to handle all that himself and, and, and kind of bridge that gap between, you know, that Kawhi last season and then now being the, like the longest tenured spur. So I, I think he's kind of finding his rhythm again. Um, I think he's, he's kind of going back to that 2013, 2014, Patty, where we would see him come off the bench and just drop, you know, 10, 15 points and have these huge like shots that he would make and, and it would send, it would, it would energize the, the Spurs. And I think him coming off the bench is, is, is him kind of going back to those roots where, um, he's that energizer, energizer bunny. Like you said, he's the heart and soul of that team, um, especially being the longest tenured Spur. All right. And then going into the fourth, DeMar. He what he's been having a slump as of lately, but Demar definitely showed up in that fourth quarter, scoring eight eight of his points. Might not sound big, but whenever he's the type of player where he's contributing in different places, he's passing the ball all over the place, getting rebounds, 
Whenever you can score and then get this clutch shot against the Mavs. No reason to be in a hurry here. Take your sweet time, milk the clock. And drop them off. That was an elbow shot from I don't know how long. It was a mid-range. I like to call him the mid-range killer because he can once he's hot, he can shoot from mid-range anywhere. And he was hot there, and was he came back as Demar to clutch DeRozan. So, yeah, I actually, I, I, I tweeted about it. It was just, um, you know, that's his shot, like right there in that elbow, um, right there, the elbow where the where the free throw line is. That's his shot, and and. And again, you know, the, I think the broadcasting team, the, the Fox Sports broadcasting team with the Spurs does a really good, great job of, of bringing these back. And they, they did a replay of that, that same exact play on October 29th against the Mavs, you know, in AT&T, in AT&T Center where he does that same sidestep, you know, jumper and boom, it goes in. That, that's his, that's his bread and butter. That's his shot. And so, yeah, you're right. He has been. I feel like he's been um, off a little bit, and I think it stems somewhere from the Toronto game. Either he's tired, he's uninterested, something's going on. We got to get into that a little bit more. But um, but yeah, today definitely the fourth. He owned the fourth, and even though he wasn't making shots, he was getting everybody involved. And his assists, he had some of the greatest, some great assists, especially to Davis for that three. You know that dagger three. Um, uh, it, he did he did all the un the intangibles, which was awesome. A total of nine assists tonight for DeMar, along with 14 points. Uh, audio the courtesy of Fox Sports Southwest, of course. I have to mention that. But DeMar, even if he's not having the scoring nights, he is showing that he's capable of passing the ball and padding his stats somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, when when we first received, or when the Spurs first received DeMar from, from the Kawhi trade, I, I felt a lot of people were, were really down about it. And they're like, well, he's not going to fit in with Aldridge. They're both... You know, two point shooters. They, they, um, you know, how are they going to share the ball? And a lot of people underrated his assists, and he's definitely showed that this year. He showed that he can do the rebounding. He showed that he can do the assists. He can move around. He can, you know, bring that double team where it can free somebody open, especially on that three point perimeter line. So he's done all the intangibles that you want from 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 a superstar, from an all star. Um, you know, from somebody that's going to lead your team. And, and that's been completely invaluable to the Spurs and, you know, and their run this year. People would like to have his defense much better than, because we're going from Kawhi, who was a def- defensive player of the year in two years, to Kai DeMar, who's more known for his scoring than his defense. So I know some people are upset with his defense, but whenever he can be a player that just kind of completely contributes on the offensive side of the ball, it kind of makes up for that def- that lack of defense you bring. Yeah, and, and and I think uh yeah, of course, obviously he's not gonna be Kawhi. He's he's not gonna be Danny Green, you know, um or Kyle Anderson. I mean we lost, the Spurs lost a lot of defensive pieces that made them, you know, the, the top tier defensive teams. But he's definitely he's definitely doing the right things to mitigate that and um and of course pop being pop always is going to bring the defensive mind first and a lot of their offense stems off of that defensive that that defensive mindset so of course demar's done a great job of of curbing his game or not just curbing his game but at adding on to his game and becoming more of a defensive player even though to us to our standards it's you know it, it might be a little bit less or less than Kawhi and, and those others so all right, so since that's our Spurs portion of the podcast, we're now going to do a kind of an NBA rapid fire, and we'll kind of highlight on some of our games. 
Uh, first game I'm going to talk about is Orlando Magic at the Detroit Pistons. Detroit takes it takes over 120 to 115. Following that, it's the Milwaukee Bucks take take over the Grizzlies 111 to 101. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is the Brooklyn Nets of the Rockets, where they went to a final overtime. The Nets take a good win, 145 to 142 over the over the Rockets. Even though Harden is scoring 50 points a night or something like that, where he scored 58 tonight, Dinwiddie is the MVP of the night with this with this clip. All right, here we go. No timeouts for the Nets. They've got to have a three. There's Dinwiddie putting it up and got it. Dinwiddie with a three to tie the game. Dinwiddie. How far out was that shot? It, it had to be at least um, like 33 feet. I mean, it was so the three point line is what, 28 feet, 25 feet from from the basket. And he was about he was, five feet away from that. Right. He was it was nuts. So it, that shot was just crazy. It was crazy. It's unbelievable. And I know Harden's been playing his ass off as lately because he has to carry that rocket team where they are Eric Gordon less Clint Capella less. Harden has to carry that team, and I got to give him credit for that. But you can't do that on a nightly basis consistently. That clip of AT&T, I can't find out. So, but Harden can't carry that team consistently every single night like that. It won't get them wins consistently. Yeah, that's um, and you see it. I think you see it in the playoffs, like you know, last year or even the year before when they played the Spurs. Um, you get tired. It's eighty-two games a season. It's you know, x x amount of months. It's it's almost a, almost you know a full year. It's it's crazy crazy long, and having to to exert yourself that much throughout the season, every single game, is just insane. And he scored fifty eight points with ten rebounds. So he was still in the paint trying to get those rebounds, um, and and so he did a lot. Um, and I think one of those stats that that really blows people's minds off of this game is the the Rockets shot 73 point attempts so they had 73 point attempts and they still lost like that is insane amount of 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 free throw shooting and to still lose that's just that's crazy yeah it's scoring doesn't always win and Harden can't carry that team going on to the next game there was a great game against the celtics and the raptors so Kawhi was able to score 33 points but Kyrie was able to come back with 27 points and 18 assists, and Kyrie was clutch once again. Kyrie, a bomb! Oh! Straight fire! Clip courtesy of ESPN ABC. Yep, Kyrie made another game changer. We I we had in our notes of we were going to talk about what's going on in Boston, but clearly Boston can still win at home. Yeah, I think they had. I mean, it, that was just, again on a night of of great basketball. Kyrie Irving over Kawhi Leonard, the claw, just insane. And again, that was beyond the arc, maybe like three or four feet beyond the arc, but with less than two minutes in the game. Kyrie just drains it, you know, to put them up even more. So it was a phenomenal night of basketball. And Kyrie Irving looked amazing. And I think um, he really embraced Boston at that point. This is kind of one of those turning point games. And I, and I saw somebody tweeted out that this is one of those turning point games for him, especially after the interview after um, after the, the game. He, he talked about how he went back 
and kind of consulted with with LeBron and apologized for for kind of his his mentality because he he now understands what it is to be a veteran and having to lead a young team. So I mean I think you know I think watch out for the Celtics. They might go on a little run here with uh, with with this newfound confidence, especially beating a great team in, in the Toronto Raptors like that. Yeah, they've been. Ha- I don't know what if it's been team chemistry or what's been going on with people, young players. Last year the Celtics were pretty good, but they weren't able to beat LeBron. And this, they were kind of the favorites going the, coming out of the East this year, but they've been underperforming to expectations. But like you said, this could be a turning point game for that team, and I really hope it is because the Celtics are my team in the East. I'm always a person that Spurs are always going to be my team, no matter what. I always kind of an East team I cheer on for, and Celtics has been that for the past few years for me. Yeah, I think um, I think that they're a very likable team, and and you're right. Um, their expectation this year was was going to be probably to take the East, probably be the Kings of the East, along with the Sixers. Um, I don't think anybody and Milwaukee, but I don't think anybody had a clue that that. While they have one of the best players in the league, one of the top three best players in the league with Kawhi, I didn't think anybody really had Toronto being up there. But I think um, this goes to an overall general consensus that it seems like this year the um, the talent level of, of teams has risen. I mean, at least in the West, we know that a lot of teams are jockeying for for playoff positions right now. And in the East, it actually seems like there's more competition ever since LeBron left. Like there's not that single dominant team where people are like, for sure, again, LeBron's going to go to the finals. Now it actually seems like, okay, now there might be some competition in the East to where we can, or to, to see like we're going to have a competitive finals. And in the West, of course, it's just a gauntlet, like always. Like the West is just insanely yeah, for, hard. Between third place to maybe up to 10th. So that Sacramento's in that 10th place spot. Well, Oklahoma season at third place, that's only about a four and a half game difference between third third place and tenth place. That's how competitive in the West it is currently. And see that that's that's such a huge thing. And it, in in regards to to rest, in regards to playing this long chess game, you can't rest people. You you know, um, I know going back to the Spurs and Demar, it seems like. DeMar needs some rest and that that's what it is like I don't know if he's used to the Western Conference or he's not used to the Western Conference and how you know how physically tolling these games are and I feel like that might be attributing to something to his little to his slump but you know it's it pop and pop's brilliant at this because he's always done this but this is where these top tier coaches really come into play you know how do they 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 manage that chessboard with some of their their top tier players or their top players having to take some rest minutes and or having to take some rest games, um, and still be competitive in the standings. And now, with like you said, with third with third place to tenth place all being within a few games of each other, as I mean, that's really where these st- um, strategists are going to have to come into play and figure out: okay, when do I rest my team? When is it good for me to rest? Or when is it good for them? When do I have to keep playing them, especially these longer minutes? So we'll, we'll definitely see how it pans out coming more towards, especially after All-Star break. But yeah, it's it's super competitive right now. All right. So since staying on topic with the West, we have to talk. We have to talk about Golden State. It's they have been it's been such an up and down season for them with their expectations. 
If it, this was any other team in the league, they're, what they're doing would be perfect for another team, but compared to their expectations of being one of the better teams in the league, they've been kind of up and down lately. But last night showed that it was a statement game, but then tonight, right now, because this is a middle of a game that we have going on, the Pelicans are up against the Warriors with 839 left in the third, 84-72 to as we record this. But Golden State has some vulnerability for shown, and then they have, have some moments of flash of, we're the best team in the league. There's no nothing competing against us. And then add on that they're getting DeMarcus Friday. So, what is going on with Golden State? Yeah, I think it's I think it's an anomaly. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's it's a bit of hubris. You know, they got too close to the sun, or um, or if they're they're finally starting to show that you know they're human after all. Or it, it might be the the DeMarcus Cousins curse. You know, people say that DeMarcus Cousins is a cancer in the locker room um i don't know what it is but on a team like golden state where you have this phenomenal talent steph curry is going to be a hall of famer clay thompson is going to be in there too kevin durant of course like you have you have four out of five all-stars on that starting line when demarcus goes up um maybe all five all-stars who knows um and so it's just even right now at this point i know they lost you know they I don't know. I don't know how it seems that they're vulnerable. Um, I think it just might might have gotten to their heads maybe a little bit, where like I said, they're regressing to the mean. So, and I know they Steph, are they are definitely looking a little bit more vulnerable though for sure. And I know Steph had that injury early on in the season that kind of affected their shooting way early on, and I think he's kind of getting back from that. But they, you see, with every team where when you plug someone into the lineup with Demarcus coming in, it, that's always going to screw up. That's always going to screw up rotations for a little bit. But what's going to be scary is that team at full force. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think another thing that, uh, you know, we might not be taking into account is is Draymond Green. Um, you know, to me, in my opinion, I think Draymond Green is probably their, their engine that makes everything go. I mean, he's that guy that does it all. Um, and... I feel like this year, you know, he's, I think he's a little bit slump. He has a slump on his shooting because in previous years, he was okay shooting. You know, he wasn't, he's not the best shooter, um, but he could still knock down a couple of threes, you know, every game if he needed to. But this year, he just seemed like he just can't hit those at all. So, you know, it's, I think um, with him, if he kind of turns the corner and becomes, Draymond Green of you know the 16-17 season, you know 17-18 season, it's going to get better for them, um, and they're only going to get their swag back. So, I think while they are regressing towards the mean, um, they're that team that can flip that switch, and at any time they're going to become scary. So they're going to drop fifty points on you like they did the Nuggets yesterday. Yeah. You so could, you just you just can't you just can't let them you know you can't let them ride around for too long you can't ease you can't ease the pedal on them whenever you're you go up against them if you're going up against them you have to go all in 110 percent, and that might actually get you a win in with how they are currently but once demarcus cousins comes back that's not going to be easy team to go against but uh going on what you were saying about draymond i think draymond's a bit overrated in my opinion i know that he's kind of a engine and he's kind of the patty mills of this team where he's kind of the He's kind of the central force. He brings everyone up. He's the one that it gets puts the fire in everyone. But he does not perform 
like he is. I know that he's the fifth, ma- fourth best player, fifth best player on this team, and he. But he gets away with a lot. You can, if you look back at that footage against Denver, where he's just you know, mouthing off against the refs. Any other player in the league would have got ejected that easily. I don't know why he's just extremely overrated, in my opinion. No, yeah, I I agree with you. There is um, with Draymond. He he's a special case because you're right. It seems like on any given night, um, the refs are going to let him mouth off a little bit more or be be a little bit more demonstrative in his actions. And he doesn't face the same type of criticism or or he doesn't face the same type of consequences as, as somebody else. For example, like Davis Bertans um, last game or a couple of games ago, he he didn't even do anything. It didn't even seem like he did anything. He came down kind of, I guess he gave like a gesture to the ref. It didn't even seem like any anything that he did, but immediately he was given a tech. As soon as he came down the floor, he was given a tech, and it was just like, "What? What the heck happened?" And then he got ejected later on that same game. So it's just going from that, going from from Davis Bertans, who is a notoriously quiet person. You you know you don't you don't see him making headlines, and he's not this star player. Um, you know, or he's not this big name player. He's just another role player on the Spurs. But versus someone like Draymond Green, who has that, who's notorious for these outbursts and these these fits of rage, and him just getting into the refs' faces, and they don't hold that same standard. And it's it's really frustrating to see. So I do agree with you um, that. You know, it seems like he gets a little bit away with a little bit more, and that he is sort of overrated. I think, um, I think, you know, when people say that Kawhi was a product of the system, I think Draymond might be a product of the system. I mean, he's just he's surrounded by some of the best players to ever exactly. know, play the game, and especially in the NBA. So, yeah, he it's, might be right there. You, we can't really say anything about Draymond until we see him in a different system where we don't see him where he has Steph, Steph Clay or Kevin Durant around him. He, if, if he thinks he's the best player or deserves a max contract, go show that you can play without them. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, I think um, I think the the reign of the Golden State Warriors is coming coming to the end uh, over over the hill over the horizon. Just because these guys are going to want to get paid. Kevin Durant already took a pay cut, you know, last season um, to keep the band together, or he took a pay cut the season before to keep the band together, and and he wants his. He's getting older. Um, you know, who knows how many championships he has left or how many, you know, high scoring games and, and seasons he has left. So he's going to want to make his money. And he, you know, rightly so. He he deserves one of the best players in the game. So, you know, they're going to have to pay him. If they don't, he's going to go somewhere else. The same thing with, with Steph. Eventually, they're going to have to pay Steph and he's not going to take or I mean, hopefully he does. Maybe he does a Timmy Dunkey thing and continues to take some pay cuts. Um, but Clay Thompson, I think his... Um, his free agency is coming around the corner. So eventually these guys are going to want to get paid. And eventually Golden State's going to have to say, you know what, we, we just can't afford it. Or or either gut their bench and not have a bench and, and suffer that way or something. But eventually this this experiment that's been great for Golden State come to might be sooner than later. Yeah, so the only player, they, they have two players on the books long term. Steph Curry for four more year, three more years after this season. And they have Jacob Evans, who they drafted who has one more year and then they have a team option. Kevin Durant has a player option and he will most, what I'm hearing is he might decline that. Because, one, that's the how those one-on-one-year one contracts go where they almost like decline this, 
the second year because they wanted they want to filter out their options. They want to see if any other offers they can get. Plus, they might get a raise from the team. I heard it. I saw a rumor that Clay said that he was going to stay with the team. Draymond still has two years, but and then we all know Demarcus is just there to show that he can still play and get bigger money somewhere else. But you, this team could go back to that original to that original championship team where it had Steph, Clay, and Draymond and Andre Iguodala. So they're going to be losing some key pieces next semester. Next, I was going to say next semester, uh, <laughs> next next year, but it could be coming down. But that team is still good. That team can still be good. With Steph and Clay shooting lights out. Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's their core nucleus. Um, you know, they had they had a couple of really good years in drafting to where they got Steph and then they got Clay um, and they got Draymond. I think they got Clay and Draymond at the same time. Um, so it's just, they, they had a couple of good years of drafting players. Um, uh, and so now they're going to have to start paying them. So like I said, we'll see, we'll see down the road, see, especially with Kevin Durant. Um, once Kevin Durant makes his decision where he wants to go or stay, uh, you know, that'll continue to see if, if Golden State's still going to have a chokehold, um, uh, on, on the West. All right. So moving on from Warriors and all that, because everyone else talks about the Warriors clear enough. Since the trade deadline is coming up, we got a lot of rumors, so we're going to do kind of a trade rumor roundup going around. Plus, just kind of there's some rumors that are going along the league, so I'm just going to give you some. I'm going to give you some names that are kind of in trade talks. I just want to get your opinion on them, Mac. So the first one up is Dennis Smith Jr., who has been out with an illness in air quotes for with the Mavs, and that because that's been mostly from him and Doncic not meshing well. But he's in definitely with trade talks along with Wesley Matthews possibly being potentially thrown in with a deal with him. What do you think about on that? Yeah, I think um, when when the Mavs drafted drafted Luca, immediately you have to give it to Dennis. You know, and or sorry, you have to give it to Luca just because of of how dominant he looked coming in from from Europe and just how refined he was. Now, I think. Dennis should have done a better job of trying to to play alongside Luca, even though Luca should demand the ball more. I think Dennis should probably learn how to shoot better. But you know that's neither here nor there. Where he goes, I, I mean, you're obviously looking to a team that that needs a point guard. So you know Minnesota might be might be a good team for him, especially with you know Jeff Teague and how Jeff Teague can't really stay healthy for too long. I mean he he has some time that he plays and then he goes down with an illness or an injury and then you know comes back plays a little bit and then also goes down um and then Derek Rose you know Derek Rose has had a great year but they might need a little bit more help at that point guard position um maybe maybe LA where um I I know I don't know nothing has been exactly attached to Dennis Smith's name or so really there's we don't know where he's going to go or if he does go anywhere but LA might be a good spot for him where they do need like a prototypical um, point guard, somebody that can can assist um, and can kind of push the pace a little bit. I mean, Lonzo's great in the Lakers. He's he, or he's been good with the Lakers, but you know, I think he's he's more like of a defensive defensive minded player. At least he's better defensively than he is offensively. Sure. So he might. I mean, that might be good. Throwing West Matthews in there too might might kind of solidify that Lakers lineup where where at least they have these well Wes Matthews is kind of a veteran at this point and so they might have that that stability with him 
as opposed to going with somebody that's like Rondo, Lance, and, and Lonzo. and get Wes Matthews in there. They can get Dennis Smith, you know, who's a little bit more of a facilitator than anything. And the our teams have been listed with Dennis Smith has been the Suns, who don't actually have a real point guard, and the Magic, I don't know why, I need to go into further detail. But moving on, Marcus Gasol was, is being is being thrown out there by the Grizzlies because they kind of want to get something back from him with his expiring deal coming up. Yeah, he's um he's another interesting character because his contract is kind of tough to um his his contract is a little tough to get around, but and he's a little bit up there in age too, but I think he's he's still overall one of the best bigs, uh, you know, in in basketball and the fact that he can still shoot the ball really really well, um I mean he's definitely developed his three point shot over over the years that he's been in the league. So I think he's still a really good, valuable asset on the right team. So, uh, you know, a team that would be probably be good for him also, again, probably the Suns, you know, maybe mentoring um, DeAndre Ayton down there um, on how to be, you know, how to play the game. Um, the Suns might be a really good spot for him. I think, I, I think I've seen it where he's kind of, um, he's linked to Milwaukee, but I wouldn't see why he would go to Milwaukee if Brooke Lopez is there. Um, unless it's in a reserve role, so um, and his contract, like I said, his contract is is a little iffy. That uh, next year they have to pay him twenty five million, but uh, you know that's if a, if a team has that cap space and they're willing to add on a, a veteran big that's still really really good or that still can put valuable minutes, then they're definitely. I mean, he's definitely good value. All right, go, you you mentioned Brick Lopez. We're gonna go on to his brother, Robin Lopez, who's been kind of disgruntled with the Bulls lately, where he's getting scuffles with teammates. All that. There was a report where the Bulls are not going to let them buy out his contract because they want to prevent him from signing with the Warriors. Just that is a whole situation in its own self. But where do you think about Robin Lopez being traded? Yeah. Um, just reading that article about the Bulls, you know, not wanting Robin to, to go um, to the Warriors. So they ended up, you know, they ended up not buying him out or don't want to buy him out. But it's just crazy because the Bulls ended up giving or giving cash considerations for Jordan Bell to Golden State, you know, two years ago. So it's like, you know, you kind of, you need to be a little consistent here, Bulls. And, and I can I can understand Robin's frustration, you know, in in Chicago. Um, you, you know, he's, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be in a winning team and potentially go to the playoffs. And especially with how young and how inexperienced the the Bulls are, I can see why a veteran, you know, of his stature doesn't or of his caliber doesn't want to be there. So, again, you know, seeing him in Golden State wouldn't be a bad thing. It would it would actually be really nice. You know, he would, I think he would fit really well, especially with you know the um, the one two punch with Demarcus and then going to Robin. Um, Robin's a little bit more defensive minded than you know than Demarcus is, so they could definitely use him. Um, but I hope, God, that doesn't happen. Yeah, because then that would be the worst. <laughs> I was about to say, whenever you were saying that all the advantages of Robin Lopez going to the Warriors, I was saying, what the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> we don't want him going there. We don't want anybody else going no. to, to Golden State. <laughs> Let's just make that if completely it's a bit, clear in this podcast. Is it, if, <laughs> all right, we we made two things clear: we're big Spurs fans, and we are both we both hate the Warriors. <laughs> we can say that. I, I think everybody kind of general consensus hates the Warriors just because, like I said, they've been so good. They're like they're like the Patriots right now. I was about of, to say the same thing. <laughs> they're the Patriots of 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 the NBA. Like, god, god damn, Tom Brady just wins everything. 
he's a great player. He's a good person, you know, and, and, and the same thing with Steph. Great player, great person, but it's just, damn it, they cannot win so much. Go, yeah, go. I like Steph. I don't like Clay. I don't like Steph's cockiness at times. I definitely don't like Durant's cockiness either. Draymond is a whole different story with me. Probably right. my most hated player in the. I probably hate him the most of any sport. But moving on. All right. So speaking of the Gasol brothers, because we kind of seen that Gasol, Paul Gasol of the Spurs, he went out with an injury early in the season, and we kind of saw the Spurs kind of go off in December without him, and then we kind of bring him back into the lineup lately has not looked too great. Our fr- our friend Brett so. Solis or at Brett Solis twelve on Twitter, he made a petition to have the Spurs sign trade away Alcasol. <laughs> so yes, I saw that. That's awful. <laughs> I it, mean, in a good way. Like it's awful. It, it's 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 awful. But Alcasol has kind of run his his brain in the NBA, and I know that he's kind of still trying. He loves the game. I don't I don't blame him for that. But he's definitely not a good fit for the Spurs, and. Uh, the best matchup for him tonight came. It was him versus Dirk out of all people. <laughs> so he's he's past his, his prime, and he's definitely not fitting with his current NBA. And you've seen the less minutes that he gets, the better the Spurs kind of do. Yeah, um, I think, and, and again, like you, you hit the nail on the head there, um, where you mentioned the Spurs just seem better when Powell is not on on the court and and I think it, it comes to a point where you know as a player you need to realize like hey I'm not as good as these guys and I'm not as young and, and I'm not as agile and mobile as these guys I, I can't move the way they can you know I can't um, defend the way they can and it, and, it, and it goes back to his I guess his ego and you know these comments that he made last week where he was a little Flustered that he had to address his game to you know being on the bench, um, but I mean come on man you're you're coming off of an injury, you know a foot injury, and you're you're almost forty years old, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be the same. I mean it's gonna be impossible or next to impossible for you to to be impactful in the game, um, coming off a foot injury like that, especially being out for a couple of months like he was or or a month or two that he was. So, yeah, I think um, the Spurs essentially need to end up trading him or or just eating his contract for this year and and um, and not re-sign him or, he, or not pick up his option next year. Because he, he has a player option next next year, but he's only guaranteed about... I Six say, million, I think. Yeah, he's right. Where that can be easy, a stretch and wave. Stretch wave but. Right. So I'm going to go into... I'm just going to tell you a list of team names. I just want your answer if... They should trade at the deadline, or should they just wait and see how it plays out? First team, Celtics. Mm, I think they should wait, even though I want the Celtics to make some trades with the Spurs. <laughs> Maybe they'll take on Pal Gasol and they can give us somebody. But I think the Celtics, um, hopefully, with this, like I said, with this game, hopefully they're, they're steering the ship in the right way. So I think they should probably just wait it out. I say wait, too. Uh, Lakers. Man, it, that's, that's a funny experiment. I think the Lakers need to make a trade but the trade they should have made was the Kawhi trade i think um magic and rob really really messed up um in not trading for Kawhi, and they overvalued their young guys and now look at Kawhi, you know flourishing in toronto and the lakers are you know on the bubble 
for being in the playoffs. And then, you know, hopefully when LeBron comes back, it changes it. But I think at this point, they might need to make a trade. Um, they, they, have, they have a lot of volatility in their players. You know, all these guys that are, it just don't seem to mesh right. So I think they definitely need to make a trade. Yeah, whenever they had their signings during the offseason, I was like, you're, going, you're really going to sign Lance? You're going to sign Rondo? You're going to sign JaVale McGee? What are you guys doing? Michael, and Michael Beasley. Like, it was just... Just anybody, like anybody that had some type of star name, you know, somebody that had like a flashy moment. Yeah. That's who Magic and and Rob wanted. That was so, I think this, yeah, I definitely think they trade. This past off, that this past offseason is just a season of regrets of teams passing on, on a lot, Luca and then trading, not trading for Kawhi. So, <laughs> so the same goes with the Sixers though, because, you know, look at them. You know, they could have had, I mean, they got Jimmy now, but in retrospect, they could have had. They could have had Kawhi teaming up with, you know, with potentially Embiid or, or Simmons, whoever, however else they wanted to get it. All right. So uh, next, uh, 76ers with, because there's they've kind of had some drama with Jimmy Butler. Do you think they should just wait it out? I think they should wait it out. I, I mean, I think, I think Jimmy kind of needs to rein in his ego. Um, he hasn't won anything. You know, I'm not saying he's a bad player because I, I love Jimmy. Um, I think, I think Jimmy Buckets is great. Um and it's, but moving to that team, um, you know, I think he kind of has to rein in his ego a little bit and 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 say like, okay, look, I'm new guy here, you know, I, I shouldn't be expecting to get the ball all the time. This this was kind of like Embiid's and and Simmons team before I even got here. So I think they they just they should just wait it out. I think it's gonna gonna kind of bear its fruit a little bit later. All right, the Kings, and there's been a report with the Kings that they've been adding to add length to their small forward position as well as a backup point guard. Do you think they should trade? I think they probably should trade. Maybe Dennis Smith might might be pretty good in, in the Kings. You know, they're a super young team, and they've really, really excelled um, this this year. I think they're one of those like underrated or underlined storylines of the NBA, where um, you know they've kind of punched above their above their weight class. Um, you know, there's these flashes. There's these flashes of the teams that, or there's these flashes of the Kings that that they they looked good. You know they were they were beaten up on on some of the some of the top tier teams, and and it was you know they look great. You know, Deon um, De'Aaron Fox is so quick and he's becoming a really really great um, great point guard. Willie Collin Stein is pulling his own in the you know in the center and he's looking super good. I know they've regressed a little bit over um, over the past month and they're currently right in a, a three win streak right now or you know, three game win streak. So they're kind of, they're trending back up, but, um, you know, for a moment there, they're, they were like number one, number one in the Western conference or, or top three in the Western conference. So I think they, they, they should make, probably make a trade if they want to address that backup position. Um, but I, I think they're doing pretty good. They probably just need to kind of refocus and get back to how they're playing early season. I think they're, they're one or two pieces away. And I, they had the Ennis uh, Cantor, uh, trade rumors going around. I thought that would have been a perfect that would have been a perfect pick for them. Train Zach Randolph, who's not even playing for them, to put in his canter, who was a pretty good two way center. But uh, we'll we'll go on for that. Do you think the Mavs should trade? Mm, uh, I well, think they're sorry. They are going to trade Dennis, but how much do you think they should give up in a trade? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the Mavs are also in another good position where they have the talent to to make a good push or to be a, a solid team. I think they still probably need a little bit more outside shooting. Um, I mean, even though 
today they're there some of them were shooting at, like powell was shooting out um, lights out and of course lucas shoots out lights out but i think if they can get a little bit more um three-point help i think that's gonna gonna do wonders for their team and you know maybe dennis and, and west matthews might be able to return that for them so you know i think they should make some type of move if they want to continue or try to shoot for um for the eighth seed you know in the playoffs all right in the final team our hometown do you think the Spurs should trade? Because Powell isn't really doing anything, and we kind of need some, the Spurs kind of need some depth at the small forward position. Yeah, the Spurs. I think the Spurs definitely need some help um, on a, as a small forward or or even any any type of wing player that's going to be able to defend that perimeter. Um, and we definitely see how how you know hobbled we are there in that position with losing Kyle, with losing um, you know Kawhi, and losing Danny. Um, you know, it's it, it's really affected us um, where we can't make these switches. And even if we do switch, we have like a six foot guard, you know, guarding Luka Doncic, who's six, seven and he's a massive dude. So, you know, if we can get this small forward, you know, this three player who can guard multiple positions anywhere between the one and the four, you know, that I think the Spurs need to do that and try to make any moves possible. So whether that's being... Um, you know, Paul Gasol or, you know, Paul Gasol and one of our younger assets, you know, I know people are going to hate me for saying this, maybe Bryn, <laughs> um, you know, but, and, and definitely if they need to need to sell that Toronto pick, I think Paul Gasol and the Toronto pick might, might be the ticket to getting, to getting at least a, a three and D player, um, another small four that can help us out on the perimeter. As long as they don't trade Davis or Derek White, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh I don't think Derek is going anywhere. I don't think DeJounte is going anywhere. For sure Patty is probably not going anywhere. Um and I know people want to trade him too. I've wanted to trade Patty for you know some of the season. Um but it, it's just because I think I'm frustrated with like these 6-foot guards where they can't <laughs> they can't hold their own and they people are just going over them instead of we're going over them or through them and they can't guard. So it's frustrating. You know, as a Spurs fan, um, it's frustrating to see a team that was in the top tiers of defense and we were locking down people like crazy. And then going to this year where, you know, we're scoring with, you know, with the best of them, but our defense is, is still a little hurt. Yeah. So. All right. So that kind of, that wraps up the majority of our podcast. We're, we're going to end it out with just kind of telling you guys about who we are and kind of, kind of our mindset or favorite, favorite players around the league. What, what we like, what's our taste in the NBA, essentially. So, all right, Mac, I want to know, what are some of your top five players that are not a Spur? So I think some of my top five players that are not a Spur, um, like I said, Jimmy Buckets is is definitely one of them. Um, I love his tenacity. I, I love I love his overall game. I mean, that dude is, he's like a baby Kawhi. You know, he can defend really well, and then he can get a shot anywhere. Um He's definitely not as good, but he's definitely he's definitely right there with them. Um, so Jimmy Buckets is one of my one of my favorite players to watch. Kyrie Irving, um, that dude is just I mean he's phenomenal, and, and I think the um, the task that he's undertaking in, in Boston right now, while he may not have handled it very very well, I hope he turns it around, and it looks like he is. But that dude just I mean he's got incredible handles. Um, He's just a solid player. Like whenever you need, he has this clutch gene. Whenever you need a clutch shot, just boom, just throw it down. 
Um, Uncle Drew is yeah. clutch, and Kyrie is Uncle one is one of my top players on my list. But <laughs> we share we share a few a few favorite players. Yeah, um, Kyrie though, I've, he's under. I think he's underrated in some parts with his clutchness. He like tonight he can shoot that clutch three. He shot clutch three in the finals. This dude can shoot threes whenever you need it for game winner anytime. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like I said, I think that's yeah, like you said, he's. I think he's underrated in that aspect. You know, when people think about about who wants to take the last shot, you know, usually they're they're your Steph Curry's, they're your Clay Thompson's, they're Damon Lillard's. Not very many times do you see Kyrie Irving come out, but I think definitely Kyrie Irving deserves to be up there because he's just got some incredible handles, can drive to the basket make some great assists. I mean, he's just a great point guard. He's one of the best point guards in the league. Uh, one of my next players is Steven Adams. Steven Adams is a beast of a man. He's he's Aquaman lately with the wave of his hair. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Finish up, sorry. All right, yeah, so Steve, Steven Adams, he's just a beast. He's a good guy, too. Don't call him Australian, though. He's a Kiwi. You do not, do not call that man an Australian. <laughs> he's a Kiwi for life. But Steven Adams... The man, if you just need a reliable player plus someone that's just durable and tough, Stephen Stephen Adams is your guy. He, and I'm kind of the guy that favors big men. I don't I don't really pick guards as my top players. I pick big men as my top players because big men. I'm because we grew up with Tim Duncan, Admiral, all that. So I kind of favor towards the big man. I don't like Anthony Davis, but Stephen Adams is my go-to guy, and I would love to see this man on the Spurs. Yeah, I no, I agree with every single sentiment that you said. Steven Adams is one of my favorite players um to watch. He's just he's just a generally lovable dude. He's he's like um you know, he's like Bobon. <laughs> like it's just another <laughs> another person that's this is massive guy that has a good heart and he's just an overall general guy. And and the fact that, you know, he holds Timmy, um, Tim Duncan in such a high regard, that just that's just that's just destiny talking, saying like, okay, this guy deserves to be on the Spurs. Like he he needs to come and be and work out with Tim Duncan and just be on the Spurs and have that black and black and silver jersey. It plus, just needs to happen. Plus, the Spurs can use the durability that it brings with our yeah. with our luck. <laughs> but yeah, Steven Adams, he's not he's not he's a team type guy, and he's not one that he doesn't really take the spotlight because he's on Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook take the spotlight. And he's just kind of sat in the background, but he's such a reliable player to go to, and he, that's why he's one of my favorite. Uh, the next one, you can't go if you don't want, if you want another clutch player, you can't go wrong with Damian Lillard. Oh yeah, I agree with you. He's a great player. My favorite moment, I think the moment I fell in love with him was, don't know what if it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, game seven against Houston, minute left. I think the game was, I think the Rockets were up by a point. They had like three seconds. Damon comes from from one side of the court to the next, leaning three point shot, drains it for the to win the series. That was the moment I fell in love with Damon Lord and the Portland Trailblazers. Damon just has like if you go back and look at his highlights, he has some of the craziest game winning shots, um, you know, archive of any player. I think some of his shots are just insane, and and it's this other, you know, Kyrie Irving clutch gene. And I, and I can understand exactly why they put him in that conversation to, you know, to, to end the game. And and Damon Lillard deserves to be up there with that because he, he has incredible, incredible clutch genes for sure. Uh, who's the next one on your list? Um, it's actually one that we share. I think um, Paul George is somebody that I definitely admire. Um, 
and him choosing to stay well the first the first time that i like paul george or definitely admired paul george was you know after his injury how he came back and he continued to 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 get better and get stronger and 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 play better um and he never gave up and i think after that season like i really really enjoyed watching his game um and then what solidified my fandom in him was um was him choosing to stay in okc than going to the lakers I think that speaks volumes of his character and and i think it, it, it i think it humbled him to be honest like you know he he i think he definitely took a lot of time to think about it um you know to stay in okc and and do something or try to make something happen there as opposed to go to la you know and play with lebron or alongside lebron um and I think that that definitely made him one of my favorite players to watch in the league. And besides being a good guy, he, the dude is one of the best two-way players in the league right now. He can he can score, he can defend, he can score all over the court. He's a great scorer in all defense. And to add on that, he can steal the ball, he can block shots. He has that perfect size where he can be that great in between. And he he isn't as great as a defender as Kawhi, but he can still he's still one of the best two-way players in this league. And then. I started rooting for him whenever he was going against LeBron's Miami team because I'm the guy that doesn't like the big, the big teams. So I was always going against LeBron, and the next best team up there was was the Pacers and Paul George. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Paul yeah. George is up there leading the Pacers. Always continue every single year going up against uh, against LeBron. And then the last player on my list, we both share this. I know this. You you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with Luca. Luke is too fun to watch. I know Spurs fans that hate the Mavericks. They're going to be hating on me, but I can't stop loving Luka. No, I mean, God, after after you see his game, and especially, you know, somebody, you, like like you, you live in Dallas, in the Dallas area, so you see it all the time. I mean, you see the Luka mania, and it's just, uh, it's crazy. And I wasn't really, Luka's doing. I, whenever we were looking at drafts, because being in Dallas, I get a lot of Dallas stuff. I listen to a lot of Dallas sports radio, so I get a lot of Cowboys, I get Mavericks. And people weren't expecting them to go for Doncic until probably the day of whenever that rumor came around. I was expecting them to, I was expecting them to get Mo Bamba. And I wasn't really thinking they got Dennis, they got they got uh, Harrison Barnes. They're probably gonna get DeAndre this offseason finally. And then get Mo Bamba, who's a good big who can work around Dennis Smith and Harrison. Then whenever the cause I I liked Luca as like, I had my doubts because people are always gonna have those euro that euro doubts on him, but, yeah, yeah. but then whenever I was th- thinking of it, that guy, that's gonna be a deadly team, and then whenever whenever uh, it was made that they were going to trade for him, it's like I like this team. This is a good team to watch. Luca is talented as hell, and then and Luca is definitely showing up where he's having. Some rare rookie numbers where he's having Michael Jordan rookie numbers too, where he's scoring 22 points, certain number of rebounds, certain number of assists that only LeBron and Jordan have had before. Yeah, I think uh, I think Atlanta is definitely shooting themselves or you know shooting themselves in the foot right now with uh, taking Trey Young over Luca. Um, I was never high on Trey Young, but I guess it's because I'm jaded for every six foot guard. Exactly. <laughs> um, because of you know how the Spurs play, so I don't want any more six foot guards. You have to be up six four or higher. <laughs> we, we have enough guards anyway. Right, We're... exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like I think uh, Atlanta's really really salty about not getting Luca and getting Trey Young over over Luca. Trey Young's so. performed pretty well for them too. So I, 
I think they're shooting themselves in the foot for not getting Luca, but they still got decent talent in Trey Young who can still shoot the ball. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I don't know if I don't think the Suns are shooting themselves in the foot. DeAndre Ain's still good. Kings, I think who do they get again? Marvin Bagley, right? Yep. I think Mar- Marvin Bagley's been pr- doing pretty well for them too. So, it, yeah, d- like I said, the Kings have a really young, good young core. Like I think you know DeAndre Fox is a couple years in the league. Marvin Bagley, first year in the league. Willie Cauley Stein, I think, is just coming off of his rookie contract. So. They're they're a good young core and they should make some noise. So yeah, and then I think this was probably the perfect match for Luca, where it's a team where they're moving on from Dirk and they kind of need someone to fill that spot. Plus, they kind of need a new team leader, and Luca mm-hmm. is definitely a team leader. He can run the point and still have that size where he can run the power forward position. And Luca's been such a great match here. Everyone loves Luca. It's it's kind of been I've been kind of getting a Spurs vibe. From up here, just how they are loving on Luca, and they will—they probably will love Luca as for as long as he's here, if it's his whole career. Number yeah, I can kind of see that that it's kind of like the the Timmy Duncan, you know, ascendance type thing, where this, and especially, or well, I guess you can say that the Timmy Duncan Kawhi thing, where Kawhi was supposed to be that that person to take the torch from from Tim Duncan and and be the next you know, cornerstone of the Spurs franchise where, but with Mavs, it's with Dirk Nowinski and, and Luka Doncic. So, and, and it's, it's a great player to, to hand that transition off. And especially, you know, with, uh, with Dirk being, being an international player too, and Luka being an international player, like, it's just, it's amazing to see that. And I think um, the Spurs made me love international players. So every time an international player comes over and they do well, it's great to see that. And Luka's only 19. He's only 19. Imagine being 19 and playing in the NBA and balling out like Luca does every single night. I can't believe. Well, he's been balling out since he's like 16. So that's true. And yeah, that's true in the Euroleague. I, but I mean, I think at 19, like I was still preoccupied about like playing video games and stuff exactly. like that. Even at 28, I play video games. But I mean, I'm not six seven or whatever Luca is, so I'm, I don't have those same aspirations. I'm only 20. I turned 21 in May. And I can't believe this kid's younger than me still. I get I have the right to call him kid because he's younger than me technically. So <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, I have the right to call him a kid. You have the right to call me a kid. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna look into what's coming up for the Spurs since that's our hometown team. Friday they play the Timberwolves. Timberwolves have kind of been up and down this season, but I think they're beginning to get their reign back. Uh, then on Sunday, January 20th, they play the Clippers. Clippers have been sliding down themselves. Them, I think they've slid, they've slid to the seventh spot in the rankings. So people were high on them early in the season, but they're not showing up now. And then the next game that we will definitely be recapping is the 76ers who they play on Wednesday. I think we're getting lucky with these Wednesday games since we're recording on Wednesday nights. So, (laughs) so Expect another pre-in-game recap against the 76ers and that against your buddy, <laughs> buddy Jimmy Buckets. So, yeah, I think they have a, a good slate of, of of games coming up. It should be a good measuring stick um, uh, of where they're where they're at because um, the three out of four games are going to be away. So you have Minnesota that's away, you have Philly that's away, and then you have New Orleans. We hardly ever play well in New Orleans. So um, we'll see this this next three um, this next four game stand or this next four game 
um, home or uh, record is going to be really, really telling on where the team is at. And um, it's they're if, good teams away record or away games, so we'll see how how they do. Hopefully, they 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 come out well. They got the they got the win in Dallas, so they moved to six and tw- I want to say six and twenty five on the road against Western Conference teams. They got two other Western foes. They got an Eastern foe in the next four. So let's see how they do. Well, that wraps it up for at the line. So. You guys can follow. You can find us if you found us on my website, tyyeager.com. That's where we're hosting it. We're planning to post us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, any and possible any other podcast websites. You can find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at tyyeager radio, tyyeager j a g e r radio. Mac, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mac Pen Media. It's Mac Pen Media. Yeah, you can see the radio media clutch in there. So. <laughs> But you guys can also follow follow our podcast Twitter feed Twitter page at at underscore the underscore line. You can just search at at the Lion Podcast. So, and we'll we'll kind of go into depth how we got that name somewhere else. So, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Now, you have anything to wrap us wrap us up with, uh, Mac? No, I think uh, I think we're good. Um, y'all just have a really really great day, great week, and we'll see you on the next one. And don't forget your shots at the line. Because at the line for two, it's us. us, us. We're, we're trying to attempt something. We'll see how it goes. We'll get that fixed later. <laughs> so, all right, guys. That, that wraps up here at the line. We'll see you guys next week. We're, we're going to be recapping more Spurs, more NBA, and we'll be back at the line next time. See ya. Hey guys, have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use, and guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community. A community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content. Just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. 
Again, that's bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community.